Hello there. Oh, hello. <laughs> I'd like to welcome you to episode 11 of Conversations, Conversations with, with Goddesses. Goddesses. Like, I had a FaceTime with one of our guy friends last night, and he was trying to tell me, like, he was like, I'm not trying to be your dating coach, but, but and, I am. And he was, like, saying how sometimes no text is more powerful. And I was like, he has not listened to this last episode that just came out where I'm like, yeah. my whole point is that sending those closure texts was a very positive it thing was. for me. And um, so I was like, no, I mean, I, I think it was very positive. It flipped the dynamic in your own head. Yes. Whether it did anything to those guys or anything you said stuck with them. Yeah. Whatever you were like reeling mm -hmm. with in your head before that happened. Yes. You were able to do that and that's all you needed for you. Right. It's like and that. that's the point. It's like when you have like a serious discussion or an argument with somebody and you walk away and then you're always like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Well, I said all of those things. Yeah. I took my time like planning it out in the notes and I said everything I wanted to say, how I wanted to say it. it. And it doesn't matter how it was received, but I have to, though, say for Country Club Boy, like, he would have much preferred I not I think to you mean Country Club Motherfucker. <laughs> Country Club Motherfucker. <laughs> um, That's his official term. I guarantee you he would have much preferred never to get another text from me again. Can like, we make t-shirts that say Country Club Motherfucker <gasps> or, like, trucker hats? Oh, my God. Yes. Things that we... Oh, my God. <laughs> like my, it's a good one. Um, but, anyway, I guarantee you that he would have, for whatever whatever reason, he decided to stop contacting me. He chose to stop contacting me for those eight days. He would have been totally happy for me to probably just fade away. Um, so getting that text that I sent him that was so like speaking his language and I wasn't being like you ass I mean on here on our podcast I was right. like that fucking asshole but um, I think when you text with that tone they just automatically stop yes. listening after the first time right like I couldn't be considered a crazy bitch I wasn't like being yeah. whiny or like what did I do or please let's try again or like give me another chance or I don't understand none of that I just said hey I thought we were both adults here I'm calling it out and that you know being the bigger person and stuff and he I hadn't thought about that till like now but I imagine getting that text I sent it what at eight something in the morning so it was at a reasonable like a business hour like I picture him getting that and I would think he would have some kind of reaction to it yeah. like it was so articulate you know what he replied back I hope you don't hate me was in there yeah yeah so anyway our friend last night I mean but, but I don't know maybe his opinion will change after he listens to that episode yeah but I know the friend you're talking about I know he's going to listen to this um, hi so, hi you know who you are I I knew for a fact that he would turn his red receipts on so that when one of his crazy exes would text, he wanted her to know that he'd seen it and was like on purpose not responding. Mm -hmm. Savage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Savage. So I'm just saying this is the person that's giving you advice. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Yes. Love you though. And that's okay. I do <laughs> love you too. And I love talking to you about it. And I did get a little bit heated with him and he was like, I feel like you're mad at me. And I was like, no, I'm not mad. No, you seem kind of mad. <laughs> the conversation had turned like to some of the gender role stuff. And you know how I feel about yes, that. Yes, that is a trigger. I Because I still like, keep doing it. I'll be like, because you know, it's like, yes. she's doing it like a guy and you're like, but the, why does it have to be that way? Like I can tell, just like it just triggers the shit out of you. And like, and yeah. I'm not doing it to trigger you. It's just because I'm programmed to say, "Well, I'm gonna deprogram you." But oh, uh, my God. our last episode, episode ten, the last like 10, 12 minutes, I can tell that I was getting kind of buzzed. Yeah. And then um, at some point in there, when you'd said something, oh, it was about the like if guys could have one night stands. Yeah, basically. that's what we were and talking then, about because I said Samantha's like a guy. <laughs> yes. And then I, 
I hear my little bit of a slur and I'm like, I just can't. I can't with the gender thing. I, I know. Can't. That's where you like <laughs> totally lost it. And I was like, ooh, it's okay. So But that's funny. why we're real. Like, yeah, real conversations happen. We definitely had a conversation that was going in the direction of gender norms in um, relationships. And I was furrowing my brow a bit. <laughs> There's a furrow brow emoji, the one that's like, but I feel like you use that as the furrow brow. I look at it as something different. Okay, let me see. Wait, this one. See, I look at that as something else. I look at that as like motive, like determination, like, like I look at it like this is frustrating. Hmm. Oh, I could see that too. Where did I get, where did I get that? It's like a, like driven or like um, unstoppable, stubborn, maybe a little bit. Yeah, but stubborn would fall in line of like, but kind of like if you told me you can't, you know, do X, Y, Z, and I'd be like, watch me, or I'm but like, see, I would be like, I'm this. motivated. Maybe okay, we're on a platform, <laughs> making <laughs> nobody can see. It's the emoji where one of his eyebrows is up, and the other one's like scrunched down, and his mouth is straight, and yes. he's like, hmm. yeah. I've always thought of that as the like, I can do it emoji. Okay. But okay. but you know there's Emojipedia. Yeah. It's okay, like let's see what it is officially. Officially. But there's like emoji, one of the wikis where they say what most people use them as. Uh-huh. I know. Like I hate the, the prayer hands when people are like, it's two people high-fiving. I'm like, no, it is. I'm not using it as I that I do it ever. as prayer. It is prayer. It's like a thank you or a please. I think. Yeah, exactly. It's a prayer. <laughs> Meaning is face with raised eyebrow. This emoji stands for skepticism or disbelief. It can also be used to demonstrate disapproval. Huh. So like, interesting. That is not what I've used that emoji for, but. Okay, now that we've uh, settled the emoji. <laughs> uh, well, you were talking about your combo with our friend and how yes. it turned to gender roles. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, and you said you were furrowing your brow yes. at what he was saying. Yeah. What was he saying about gender roles? I'm trying to remember. It was like, this was kind of a tangent. I don't remember exactly like how we got started on that, but he was saying like being on the dating apps. Um, he was saying that like one of his, so this guy, this friend of ours has never been on the app and he was saying that um he was talking to like a friend of his that's a guy that's on the apps and he was like getting uh their opinion like do you view the girls that you meet on there overall as um kind of I guess maybe not as high quality because they're having to use an app or something maybe so I was getting the idea and I was probably drawing a lot of conclusions of my own but I was getting the idea he was alluding to the fact that maybe I'm not finding an upstanding guy because I'm not being viewed as like worthy and that's not the word he used and that's not the exact word but basically I understand the sentiment right I understand the sentiment and um I was like well I I do understand where that's coming from I just wanted to make it clear to him. And he said that that it was clear. He said he didn't think this. But I, I was just like, I started to get a little defensive and thinking he was suggesting that I'm getting played by all these people or I'm getting... not taking you seriously. That's what he was suggesting. But I'm not. I think what he was trying to say or what this friend, what they were saying, like, that you'd meet a girl on the app and you'd go, like, hook up and that's all and move on. But, I mean... The but that's time, what that one friend of his is looking to do. Maybe. May I just want to be clear. I'm not doing that. The three, even though I... I did not sleep with any of them. Well, one of them I slept with on the first date, but it was a really long date. <laughs> the other ones, it was five dates and then like two weeks like it, of a lot of dates. So it was it was a lot and it was my decision to. I've never been like taken advantage of or right. felt like I was duped into something or anything. Even the couple of one night stands that, you know, I'm not like crazy about now in retrospect, I orchestrated them, you know? So I just wanted to make it clear, like I didn't feel like I was being manipulated no. or anything. 
Right. But then also I was telling him, like, aside from quarantine, I'm not in a position to ever meet anybody organically anyway. Well, and I think that he also is of the generation that's not using the apps as much. Like, we were saying, we're, we're not, like, coming out of these long relationships. I also just think that more singles are on them than are not. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know what I mean? I just don't yeah. know that that's accurate. Yeah. And again, like... Because all- it's the only way now. Everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. Even before quarantine, like, people are busy. I feel like busy, like we've talked about before, busy's just become a thing. So it's like everybody's so busy all the time that everybody's got a job and a side hustle and then kids... So, you know, we're not spending time in bars. Right. Like and then did. even if, like, so what, how is that much different than if you, if I met a guy at a bar? It's not. Drinking and then exchanging. Especially if you're going out to other. meet a guy at a bar. Right. It's not. In fact, like, at least on the apps, we put a little bit of some information about ourselves yeah. out there in addition to what you look like. So you're not meeting somebody at a bar and then having to find out the hard way after, like, two dates. Like, you get to see up front. Are they a smoker? Do they have this? Do right. they have that? So we, there's enough information. A lot of times you can look them up on a background check or even on Facebook or something and then get a bigger picture and be like, okay, this is somebody. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I don't work at a job where I'm like around no. guys and I've asked around, you know, I put myself out there with friends and nobody knows anybody. And that was just kind of a little rant, I guess. Like, <laughs> what is our, uh, we, we didn't start to talk about anything. No. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> talking unison same inflection and everything I was gonna say like um we started to go the direction of where you were like oh we talk about a lot of guys and relationships and we yes and and I were just kind of like a lot of these things that we've been talking about like um ghosting and can happen with like girl friendships Yes. Um, I mean, those relationships are just as intimate as and important as um, dating. And, you know, I know myself, I'm sure you too. I have so many little different groups of friend groups mm-hmm. that would never blend. Mm-hmm. And it's like dating multiple people at once. You kind of have to manage all your friends. And like we were talking, like, does one friend get jealous of another best friend? Or like mm-hmm. there's still all those intricacies with girl friendships. So directly, um, one of the questions, have you ever been ghosted? by a friend I have and we're fine now it was a misunderstanding but yeah and it it hurt me like she was is one of my best friends for like decades did she just stop responding and then were you like hey yeah there was almost like a fizzle out and I wasn't really sure what was happening and and like I said we've totally talked about it and we're fine but like Mm -hmm. in that moment Mm -hmm. when I could tell something was different and then it just like this is a person I talk to all day every day and then it was like here and there and like and then they were just gone and did you come out and say, hey, what's going on? Something feels different? No, because it became, it was blatantly obvious. Mm-hmm. She was just gone. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I would see her, like, at, at work or somewhere, and she acted like I wasn't alive, which was hard because I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so glad that we're okay now. Mm-hmm. I know these things happen in lots of friendships. It's like going through that. When it first happened, I would cry. I was mourning it because I, I was, it was like, I guess, like a breakup. She was like sister to me, mm-hmm. is like a sister to me. So I was, that was hard. Like, I cried a lot to my ex I would just sit there and I was like completely confused too so it's Mm -hmm. probably a lot like if a girl just got ghosted with Mm -hmm. somebody she was in a serious relationship with and then they're just gone and Mm -hmm. you're just sitting there trying to pick up the pieces and it's almost impossible to do that because you don't even know what happened Mm -hmm. I had a very similar situation and I I got close with this person fast um our we 
worked together and our kids were like the exact same age. They were born one day apart and we totally hit it off and um, we became fast friends. And then um, she was a reader at my wedding. Like we, we hung out with our kids all the time. And then she moved to Fort Worth. And then anytime she was in Dallas, she was calling me and we were meeting for, you know, a glass of wine or I was a person, one of the people that she would want to connect with. And even though she lived further every summer, at least once or twice, we'd make a point to meet at this um, one pool in the area and have our kids hang out. And it was just like, it'd become a tradition. And I considered her one of my best friends. And then it was, but we didn't talk like every single day, but it was one of those things like anytime we, we did connect, it felt still like best friends and everything. So it was a little different than yours if you were used to talking to this friend like yeah. every day and stuff. But I, it was getting towards the end of a summer and I realized, oh my gosh, we haven't. And there was another, a third friend that we would all meet up there. And I realized we hadn't been yet. So I texted the group and I was like, oh guys, you know, it's already August. We better like plan a, a pool date. And then she replied and was like, oh, I've already been to that pool a couple times this summer. And I remember that's when it felt, that was the moment that I was like, ouch. Like, so she came to Dallas and went to the place that like we always have this thing and then didn't even mention that she was in town or didn't care to see me or think about seeing me. And it did sting. There had been also times where I had texted her and she wouldn't reply. And um, I'd mentioned trying to do stuff a couple times and it became very obvious. I was like, something happened. She, somebody told her something about me that was whether true or not. Something so weird. Because it was so, a very intelligent woman. She's a master's, she's a therapist now. Like she has her own practice. And she's also very liberal and artsy so she uh, (coughs) should be somebody that so I did I did spell out I was like hey something what happened like did I do something yeah um or did something happen between us or like I've just really noticed a much different vibe and and she she fuckboyed me because she was like I don't know no everything's fine and every time I'd asked her to do something she'd blow me off and and I'd asked her about two or three more times like what was going on and she just every time completely denied it and acted like everything was fine. Obviously it wasn't. But then, so years later, our kids end up in a similar program. And so we found ourselves at some of the same events for this program and would reconnect. And one time it would be like, oh my God, and she give me a huge hug and it would be awesome. And another time, I remember I was on my way and I saw that her daughter's program was going to be at this event too. So I texted her on the way and I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to be here. And she was like, yeah, we are so over that program was all she texted me back. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I was like, it would have been a nice excuse for us to have seen each other. We'll have to plan something else. She didn't didn't even reply. Wow. Then I know. But I wonder then, what it was. I don't know. It had See, to have been maddening. something. But then, just like guy relationships, I would rather know the truth. And if it hurts, it hurts. But then you move on. It's so much better than confusion. Um, but then I saw her. This was only a couple years ago. This is the last time I saw her. It was a Cinco de Mayo a couple years ago event. And both of our kids were there this time. And she was loving all over me. It turned out like all the parents kind of at an intermission found like this Mexican restaurant nearby and we're having like margaritas and she was sitting with a group of people from she pulled me over and she's like this is my good friend her son is 
so talented and amazing. I and she's introducing me like was she tipsy? Maybe. I mean that might have. Yeah. But then after that, you know, people get so like, "I love you, man," when they're tipsy. Yeah. It's weird. I know. I would have almost rather like if she got tipsy, it come out like what what, what it really was. Yeah. Because I have no idea. Anyway, yeah. So speaking of her, I haven't talked to her in a while. Maybe I should. Maybe I should text her a bait text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me too. Both ways. Oh, but that just that sucks. I still don't know. Yeah. It sucks. Um, have you ever, or anybody you know, ever gotten jealous of a friend's relationship? Honestly, I've never been jealous of a friend's relationship. I, so far, and I haven't been single that long, so this could change. But so far, I honestly am really happy for my friends that it's when relationships yeah. are going well. I guess because especially a lot of them, I've seen them go through like shitty relationships, and yeah. so I'm like rooting for them. No, I've never been jealous of a friend's relationship. I've always been like slightly envious when somebody has like that picture perfect mm-hmm. relationship but then I also am close enough to know it's not perfect but always still happy for them right and like devastated for them when they break up with somebody they love like you I don't know. ever I, there's never been like a satisfaction what's the term schadenfreude oh or, yeah you yeah get satisfaction from other people's pain nobody's ever been jealous of any of my relationships I can yeah, tell yeah, you yeah, that I was gonna sure. say it might have all been so messed up people are like yeah you're cool. I mean I guess the closest thing and I can't think of a specific honestly right now but I'm sure I felt like this before where there does seem to be a girl that just always has like really amazing guys after her asking her out or always seems to be in a relationship or a good one or vice versa like I was in that relationship for a really long time that my last one 10 12 years and there were times where I wished I could get out of it and it, it ebbed and flowed but I'd watch some people go through like a relationship and a breakup and then like get married and divorced and, and I was like oh my gosh during this time period they've gone through through so many different things and been able to move on from each thing and I feel stuck here. Yeah. And that I was, it wasn't so much the person but the, it was very complicated because I wasn't afraid to leave him. That's always been my fear. I wasn't afraid that I wouldn't find anybody else. Like I told him I never wanted to get married and that I never wanted to live with him. Like when we had a big break. Was he ever like, um, manip- I know he was manipulative in certain ways, but like yeah. with my ex, like he would say things, I think to make me feel like I wouldn't ever find somebody else. And I, somebody oh. would think I was disgusting or like, you know, just those things mm-hmm. that people say to like chip away at your confidence to this day, I still feel like I'm not good enough because of things that were said to me. And so when I go out and I get attention or somebody acts like they want to take me out and they pursue me, I'm like, why you're not going to want this once you get close to it. And I think that's a lot of the reason that I self-sabotage things before things can get serious. Cause I'm like just waiting for that person to say what X said they were going to do and say, that's sad. Yeah. But that's interesting. And actually I have a much different experience because the reasons, and if he ever finds this podcast, I will probably come and delete this part. Um, I stayed not because I was afraid of leaving or not afraid of finding somebody else. At the beginning, it was because of the situation in which we started dating. I felt like I had an obligation to follow it through. Um, So that was the first thing. Then we worked together and we were intertwined on a lot of projects for a really long time. We were like co-writers, co-producers, and I was like an actress in something he was working on. And he said not didn't outright threaten to cut me out of everything, but kind of did because he said, um, he's like, I don't think that I'll be able to work with you. And I was thinking 
at that time, we had a series that was going to a network in LA. We had a comedy that was at a studio in LA that was supposed to get big. There were multiple things and he had all of the power because he didn't have another job. He worked on these things full time. They were in his possession. They were his direct contacts. And I was a single mom working a thousand jobs to keep a roof over my head. And I was like, I'm not willing to sacrifice my career, which um, if these things turn into something, I want a career more than I want a relationship. So I didn't have the motivation or urgency to leave the relationship because it wasn't like, I need to find another guy. I need to get married. I need to have another kid. It wasn't like, on your priority list. It wasn't. It was like, these things are very close to becoming successful. And I, I'm not willing to cut myself out of it. So there was that. And then, and then it's kind of like, I think more of a subconscious thing at first. And then kind of like, I think, um, I saw with a little bit more clarity later. Well, actually like there's a realization now I'm kind of having that I seem to pick unavailable men, whether emotionally unavailable, relationship wise, unavailable or a lot in some way. Me too. And he was very, yeah, you too. And he was, um, I think I pick people that are, and I've learned this in therapy that I am anxious attachment style and, um, I am attracted to avoidant Mm -hmm. attachment. Uh So I am the one who's like, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. Uh And all that does is make them go, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm over here and Uh shut down. And it becomes like a chase cycle. But I also think that, um, okay, so when um, you were saying like picking unavoidable men and I was saying what my ex said to me, mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the reasons I do that. I think I pick these people that I know are interested in me, but I also know are going to not be able to like give me that much time because then I'm I'm putting myself in a position where, yes, I'm going to bitch about that, but I'm not ever going to let myself get close enough to where they can get to that point where they're like, whatever he said was true. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's uh-huh. like a self-sabotage thing. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm not going to pick the person who's like all there because yeah. then that's going to hurt when they realize they don't like me and they're going to leave, which is ultimately what I was told every day for, you know, uh-huh. over a decade. Do you follow create the love on Instagram? No. With, I think it's Mark Groves. Oh, he's awesome. He's got so many good like relationship things and he's so adorable. That's why I love that um, mindful movement girl that I always uh, post her quotes. She's a relationship coach. Oh. This was the one uh, I keep dating unavailable people as he does this video on it. And I was listening to it and we'll, we'll listen to it on our next break. But one of the things he was saying is like sometimes that, and it's very similar to what you said, but like, um, that I tend to gravitate toward people that are unavailable because it almost like reinforces this belief that I'm not lovable, that I'm not worth it. God, I mean, it's been reinforced by all of my relationships that we've talked about on here, but um, probably stems a lot from childhood, from yeah. feeling like like not important to either mm-hmm. parent at some point. And then I was, you know, the abusive relationship and then a dismissive marriage and then, you know, unavailable long relationship. But okay, so there was the, um, I have to make this work or it would have just been a shitty situation reason. There's the work reason. And then I started to think like my childhood was so chaotic with my dad getting married four times and my, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom dating somebody that like made my life worse that I was just like, I know this guy. I know he's like, I trust him on some level. I know he's a, a decent person. I know my son is familiar with him and my son actually knew him from when we worked together before we were dating or anything. And so 
he was just like the only guy my son had ever seen me with. Mm -hmm. And so part of me was like, this is safe. Like, I don't want to date somebody else and then multiple guys go through. That was one of my biggest motivations of staying Mm -hmm. too. Yes. So that was that other motivation. Um, Oh, I was just sitting here in my head trying to remember something I wanted to talk about. And I had lots of things I wanted to say. Yes, yes. For fuck's sake. Okay, hold on. Maybe I should stop this. Do you remember what we <laughs> Dating the married thing. Like, would you ever want to get married again? Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about that yet. I meant, oh. like, what did we end on? Oh, um. Uh, somewhere where we can stop it. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, so something that I told you I wanted to talk about, um, because this is something, and I don't know if you've experienced this yet, the couple of times that I've been on dates. I have found I'm asked a lot on the first date, and this is from a particular age group, early 40s. And I feel like if it's a guy who's that age or even older, who has not had kids, they might've been married, but they haven't had the kids yet. And Mm. so that seems to be very important. That first or second date conversation where it's like, they know that you've been married before and you have children. The first couple of questions are, do you want to get married again? Would you want to have more kids? And I've been asked this a lot. Really? A ton. Because um, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I don't think it's ever come. I don't think I've ever dated somebody that age that didn't have kids. I've had it come up a lot. And even with X, like that's one of the things towards the end we started arguing about is he really wants to have a baby with me. And I'm like, so they're still thinking like, this is a possibility, but there's the marriage issue and there's the kid issue. So for me personally, I think that one of the things that's a benefit to you and I we did have our children very young and now they're pretty self-sufficient and we still feel like we can be young and go and have fun. Mm -hmm. Um, If we were to start over with a baby, it's kind of like, I feel like we talked about this too. We lost a lot of our, the years where a lot of our friends were going out and like sowing their wild oats and dating a lot of people and traveling around and kind of just having fun. We didn't get to do that until later. But I think that when somebody asked me about having children, aside from the fact that this age are considered geriatric maternally and there's so many complications that go along with it. I have a 23 year old child. I've been a mother since I was 19 years old. And now I'm not saying I'm free, but I'm, I mean, it feels like that a little bit, especially when you're a single mom and you raise them by yourself. Mm -hmm. Once they're a self-sufficient age, when somebody asks me that on a date, I literally start like twitching. I'm like the thought of having a baby. So there's that. So that's a non-issue for me. I would never consider it. But the marriage thing is hard because, you know, I say right now, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to get married again. And I know I mean it because I think it's messy. It's expensive. It wasn't the golden ticket for me. It wasn't the golden ticket for you. And maybe we were the wrong people. But I also feel like it's antiquated. And I feel like it just does something to people psychologically. It's like people that you know that are together forever and they're Mm -hmm. fine. And the second they get married, they're divorced. Because I think that legal piece of paper that now it's literally the government saying you're locked together. And even though you can go get an amicable divorce, Mm -hmm. it's like almost adds this pressure that you didn't even know you had pressure before. Mm -hmm. And it makes people act crazy. Yeah. I have no desire, but I feel like these guys, a lot of them want that. So it's like, how do you answer? You think in your head, okay, well maybe with the right person, maybe I'll change my mind. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. So I do think like, and you prefaced by saying like right now, this is how I feel, but I don't see it changing. And I'm not looking to get married or live with anybody or, I mean, gosh, when I first started dating, I didn't think I was ever going to want a relationship again. Like honestly, after that breakup was so taxing 
that I was just like, I don't have it. I don't want somebody to feel like they're dependent on me emotionally yeah. somehow. And like, I, I think I was just drained from that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, when I met Fuckaboy Zero, and uh, at first I was just so willing to be casual, he's the one that kept pushing for the relationship. And I was just like, there's no way. And then after, you know, feeling so connected to him, like I said, I was just like, well, why would I throw this yeah. away? Maybe I will try it. So that's surprised myself um just saying like right now yeah that I have zero desire to get married but who knows like I feel like too when people ask you on the apps like this is a little bit of a tangent but um they always ask like oh what are you looking for on here yeah what are you looking for and I think that's an impossible question I think you don't or for me I don't know what I'm looking for I don't think most people know what they're looking for until they're seeing it yeah like a guy may go on there thinking he wants a relationship and end up just like hooking up with people or not yeah not connecting with anybody or vice versa like me I went on there looking to be super casual and then you know was like surprised myself so I think that you could be face to face with somebody and also, like, uh, I know I'm jumping. I will edit around it. You quite literally physically jumped at your computer. You got so excited. I was, Damn it. No, I'm saying. Um, oh, my God. I did not think I was going to forget it. Okay, you're on the apps. And um, um, oh if it's in front of you, um, you surprised yourself. I surprised myself. Um, and zero. Fuckboy zero. And then... Um, not feeling. Oh, the, I think I was going oh, with the. <laughs> when you edit this, you're going to be like, what the fuck? Um, oh, like also I, uh, my ex, we never lived. <laughs> We never lived together, but he did towards the end, I think as like a last ditch effort was wanting to move in together. And I was just like very certain I didn't want to do that. And then I started to think like, I don't want to live with anybody ever again. Like I'm so used to living by myself and like, but you're that somebody that you're super familiar with. I don't like sleeping alone. I have nightmares, but I also like cooking dinner. I like being domestic. I like doing people's laundry. I mm-hmm. like cleaning. I like literally making dinner for a person. And like, cause I love to cook and watching them eat it and there's that part of me well like what if I want to eat you know some crap late and I don't want somebody watching me eat it and think that I'm like I think if you were at the point where you were living with someone Mm -hmm. you would be past the point where you cared if they saw you eating late night maybe because like I when I first started dating my ex I any person like I won't eat in front of them that's one of my weird quirks like Mm -hmm. I don't like people watching me and it probably goes Mm -hmm. back for our eating disorder days but yeah but then like with ex after we first started dating and I got to that happy come place mm-hmm. I gained 15 pounds and we were eating pizza in our bed at like two in the morning yeah so I think you get there that I just step. haven't lived with somebody in so long like when you lived with your ex-husband mm-hmm. I this is so weird when I ask you questions about your ex-husband mm-hmm. okay so just so everybody knows I, I think we've talked about this mm-hmm. but and ex-husband when they first started dating and they were in college and my ex-husband we would all like do stuff together so he's somebody I've known for a long time but then when N got married to him we had not been as much of constant communication mm-hmm. And and I had not. I was at their wedding. Yeah, because I feel like we reconnected right before the wedding. You did. So I was at your wedding, but then I never saw you guys interacting like as a married mm-hmm. couple ever. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I never saw him with your child. Yeah. So when I still talk about your ex-husband, I'm thinking about him when, when we were he, all like in college. Yeah. And he was obsessed with you. So I never saw the adult version of your relationship. And it was uh surfacey. It was I mean it was it was good. We cared a lot about each other. We laughed all the time. We never fought. In fact, when I was dating X, 
you know, he was very argumentative. Yeah. And so we would like fight, like argue. But I did tell him this at the last breakup too. I said, if you don't start the argument, no arguments will happen because I don't start arguments. Yeah. And like he tried that and nothing did. (laughs) (laughs) And I will admit like he would argue with me and I would fight back. And I, that was one thing too about that relationship. I'm like, this is bringing out the worst in me Mm -hmm. and relationships are supposed to bring out the best in you. Yeah. Um, I hate it when I'm arguing or had been with the last one and you I would hear my voice being like shrill me too and almost be like I sound like that nasty yes and that's not me like I I yes. like my voice like I you know what I mean like but I would oh my hear God. my voice coming out of my head in those uh-huh. moments and be like this isn't me and if anybody okay. saw me uh-huh. like if any guy I wanted to go on a date with now heard that voice yes they would never look at me we uh, that is exactly just what hear, I have thought it was shrill and like uh-huh. nee, 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 nee. Totally. And that's not me. One thing about fighting with me is that I tend to call myself out in the middle of it. And it's funny. And then like. It disarms them. It disarms them. And then I like want to laugh, but I want to stay angry. It's just like, it's hard. But are you. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Uh, I lost my hand. Oh, we. We're talking about. And I argue back. I know. And And then you all never fought. Yes. Okay. I remember you guys were like very touchy feely in love when we were in college. Yes. Um, Was any of that still? there the touchy feeling I mean that's not what I remember I remember um we were always able to make each other laugh and we always had fun together so even though we uh he didn't want to have sex with me and I don't remember did it ever happen though on like rare occasions it did happen but I honestly I don't like remember it Do you know what's weird with like ex-husbands and ex-boyfriends that you were married to or like Mm -hmm. thought you were in love with Mm -hmm. when enough time goes by and you think back like all of my exes besides my most recent one I can't remember what it was like to hold their hand I don't remember what it uh felt like to kiss them some of them I can't even remember Uh their voice a hundred percent yeah yeah interesting I mean so it's weird it's like that Gautier song or whatever like now you're just somebody that I used to know Uh like and somebody that you could have been that so weird it is it's weird it's weird and they're like strangers like when I think this person my ex-husband was my my first sex like I was closer to his family than I was my own family like to any family of anybody I've ever dated yeah and um we were Married, like if you pass them on the street now, it would be like, I, "Hey, yeah, we're married twice. So we got weird. married twice." How you don't have memories of no. like feelings like that? Okay. So you were, we were talking about, was there a physical side to it? Yes. And then we started talking about how you don't remember physical. I remember now. It was like six minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) You have ADD up in here. Pretty bad. We'll just have to snort some Adderall next time. I know. Have you ever snorted Adderall? No. I've never snorted it. No. I mean, I've taken it. I need it. I have ADD. (laughs) I've taken it. I like it. So, okay, you were saying you don't know how. So my ex-husband and I, yes, we got along fine. We were like. How long were you married? Oh, like a year. Okay. Like no time When did the, okay, this is my question to you. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me that that was just how your relationship was the second time around, like there wasn't like a ton of physical, Mm -hmm. um, but you guys didn't fight. You got along. Mm -hmm. If you already knew that in the beginning and had kind of accepted this is what it is. Mm -hmm. What happened to say, okay, we're getting a divorce. Well, it didn't. Okay, it wasn't that that obvious to me at the time. This is all in retrospect. This is all 
Hindsight 2020. We started dating when I got back from LA. Like, I get back here. I remember specifically my ex husband and I started hanging out again. And then um, it kind of moved to like the dating thing. And he would come over to watch a movie. And um, I remember then he would leave and not try anything. And I remember thinking, this is so refreshing. When I was in LA, I felt like all any man wanted to do that and stood in front of me as want to have sex with me. And then I'm like, this guy doesn't. That feels really great. Yeah. And it did feel great then and then um and so then it stays that way and you still get married well but we no we did have sex we did make out but it wasn't like that obvious um so we did live together for like from the time we got engaged to the time we got married so about a year and, and how long did you date at the second time around before you got engaged uh, let's see at least a year okay yeah so it was a good two years before the marriage okay that's substantial so okay so we started dating and then he was doing that like not trying to have sex with me and I was like, this is so refreshing. And then fast forward a few months. Were you guys like, was he financially stable, like working? Yeah. Like you guys didn't have any of those exterior like no. fights. Okay. No. Or issues. No, no. A few months later, we didn't live together yet, but he would spend the night at my house a lot. And then I remember um, what would happen a lot is I would try to make a move on him, going to bed together. And he would say that he was so tired or whatever. So we would just go to sleep. Then one day he was not over that night and one of our mutual friends, came over and we were on my computer doing something and this is 15 years ago more than 15 years ago yeah 16 uh, and we were looking up something and we dropped down the history oh no and it was porn it was porn I'm trying to think I almost know what it was uh something kitty Persian kitty oh god I thought you meant like K-I oh my god no kitty 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 like a pussy kitty okay yeah so uh that was the website like and I was so he was getting it somewhere else Right. And then, and we would look at the timestamp and it was those same time. Are you serious? Yeah. That's like in um, Sex in the City when um, Charlotte, like. Trey or yeah, the yeah, ball Trey. guy. When she marries Trey, like she's being like a good girl mm-hmm. before the wedding. And then um, after they're already married, she realizes he can't get it up. Or oh, like, yeah. Yeah, like he can't get it up. But then as they go on, she busts him in the bathroom oh, using a magazine right. and getting himself off. I do remember that. And he had the whole like Madonna whore issue with her. But right. That would make me so frustrated. Because so, if you know your husband has like erectile dysfunction, but that's a medical problem, he can't right. help it. And that's yeah. legit. Uh-huh. But to know that they're turning you down yep. and then using another woman's image. Yeah. A woman next to him in his bed that he was in a relationship with coming on to him and then waited for me to fall asleep. It wasn't just like a one time. Obviously, I understand men look at porn and like, I don't think that's cheating. What? In your situation oh, where he's what? rejecting you yeah. and then picking another person to use that mm-hmm. for that feeling like cheating. So I did talk to him about that. Time goes by and then um, I honestly, I mean I know we must have had some sex. I know that there was, but I don't remember I not only do I not remember the feeling I, I really can't picture it once. It did. I know that it did. Can you picture college days of that happening? Um, that would be interesting if you could imagine that and not the marriage. But yeah, I think that would be that is interesting. Um, but the college times too, remember we still weren't okay with it. The first time we did it Afterwards, we're both like, we cannot do this again. And we would pray. I was already pregnant. So we would... uh, Or had a one-year-old. We would like... We wouldn't do it regularly. And then when we did, we were like, oh my God, that was a mistake. So it wasn't very often in college. Okay, so that happened. Then we get married. 
uh, I'm just now remembering this as we're talking about it. Then when we were living in the last house in McKinney, one night there, I woke up in bed and he wasn't there. So I got up and I walked around and went into the office and I saw the porn pulled up and he was he was on there. This was after we were married. Oh my God. I this have a is girlfriend that happened too. A year, year and a half later. And I talked to him about it again. Okay, so then I feel like we got more distant emotionally and everything. And then um, when I was first feeling out, like I think maybe this is a divorce, like needs to happen. We started having conversations and I remember the first thing he said was not getting a divorce. It wasn't an option. It was like within 24 hours, he was like texting his ex-girlfriend. So he said that at first and then, um, damn it, I just had it in my head. I knew I was going to forget uh, what I was about to say. You uh, caught him in the act. Yes. He said he wouldn't do talked anymore. To him, he said he wouldn't do anymore. Oh, yes. I started talking about, like, the possibility of splitting up. And at first he was like, no way. And then um, I started asking him about the, like, I guess it was pretty obvious by then. So maybe we weren't having sex very much at all. Like, that he wasn't, like, interested in what was happening and, like, all of this stuff. And he goes... Okay, now I'm going to quote him. This sounds awful for some reason. I don't feel like it's as awful as it sounds. He did say that he didn't want to have sex with me. And I asked him, like, why? And he said, it was like, well, I don't, I don't know, like, I... I kind of felt like your like your body was disgusting. That was the word he used. And I was like, but, but he didn't say it like in a shitty way. I know there's like no non-shitty way to say that. But it was almost like he was just like trying to think. Like he wasn't trying to say you're disgusting. He was trying to say like I was disgusted with it. Like he was so turned off. I guess, or whatever. And um, so, yeah, like that marriage definitely should have ended. And I was like, why? Oh, I remember this. I said, well, why did you marry me then? Because he was saying that was before. And um, he goes, well, I thought it was what God wanted me to do. And I had faith when we walked down the aisle. I didn't, I was not attracted to you, but I had faith that one day I would be. And I said, well, I wouldn't have walked down the aisle with somebody who, you know, was hoping one day they would have feelings for me. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. That was... (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, no, just, I'm hearing things for the first time. I know. Live, so. are, are you the mind blown emoji? Are those water? Or no, no, that's like, is that sweat? Oh, I thought those were little watermelons. <gasps> it's my tear. Oh. I sweat it through today when I was running around. So it was oh. dripping sweat, but I forgot. So that's what happens because, you know, the tan is made yes. of like all different hues. It looks like a watermelon. What I should have done is not put sprayed my stomach when I knew uh, it, but I didn't know I was wearing this outfit until after I already did it. Oh, yeah. This happened to me at ACL, um, but I had a Palm Beach tan, so it wasn't these colors. It yeah. was just big, bright orange, <laughs> but I wore this with like these stargies. It was so cute, but ACL this last year was like 120 heat index. So literally, I just had like orange stripes. <laughs> Thank God they sold. They had like a little pop-up shop and they had this really cute little like, um, what's that store that was awesome that went away? American Apparel. <laughs> An awesome store that went away. Yeah, There's only been one awesome store that I know. went away in the past. Like, I think you can buy it online though. But anyway, they had a bodysuit. Yeah, but because- I was so embarrassed. I was holding my purse like this, walking around. My friend's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't want anybody to see that's so funny. I was like, are those little watermelons on your shirt? No, it's because I was sweating under my denim. Uh, <laughs> what were we what? thinking? What were we thinking? Um, so, oh, talking about 
I was just saying that, um, you know, I have two sons who are seven years apart. One is 16 and one is 23. And I was just telling N how strange it is being a mother and the evolutions that happen in that timeline. So my 23 year old now lives in another city and, you know, that's where he went to college and he's a full blown adult. Like he can drink, he can vote you know, he, whatever. But when he first moved out of my home, when he was 18 and graduated, I cried and I mourned it for like six months. And I was just telling N, like, I didn't want to be the uncool mom, but like every day I would try to find a reason just to text and be like, Hey, this came in the mail, you know, cause I still like, when you have kids, you can't go a second without knowing where they are, what they're doing. Cause it like, freaks you out. But then over time it got better and it got better. And then fast forward, he graduated from college. And so I was just telling N how scary, not scary is not the right word, but like, I guess shocking to myself that I can go from that place to now when I get really swamped with like a big project at work, three or four whole days can go by. I think even like a week or two has gone by where now I can't reach out to him because I'm, I never had like a moment where I had panic or like, Mm. but I was saying the juxtaposition of the fact that I have a 16 year old home who I still do want to know every second of the day what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So to know that I felt that same way about my oldest and I love, obviously I love him all my heart and soul, but Mm -hmm. I'm saying now he's at that place where my brain has kind of let him Mm -hmm. go do his thing Mm -hmm. and to have two children. They're both my children. And to know, I think this way about this one and this one, I can just not even know what he's doing for a few days and be okay. And you were saying that that is the goal of parenting. Yeah. For sure. I would be mentally unhealthy, I think, if I was still, like, call, you know, because there are moms that do that. They, like, are too attached, and they never let them go. And if I was calling him every day and freaking out at 23 years old, you know, so I just think that you're right. This is the way it's supposed to be. It is. It's natural. There was a huge corner I turned with my son. It was so definitive, and I think it was for a couple of different reasons, but, like, all the way through, like, 13, 14, 15, like, I was, like, I'm wanted to know where he was like there had been times he was like gonna be at a friend's house and they would sometimes walk to 7-eleven mm-hmm. and I knew that but I would like I had driven by before at 11 30 or night or whatever I'm in bed and then I like start to worry because there was like a, a chunk of time like maybe 14 to 16 years old that was like we weren't connecting at all and so I started to like worry that he may go down mm-hmm. you know not uh, the great path or something and he never he never did but um I was really I was like I was poised for like something I was like just waiting for the other shoe to drop basically a couple things so I I was super worried about him for like two years and then he kind of started to evolve now during that time too like not only was I so worried about him but this comes from my own like I guess thinking I fail at everything I was convinced that whatever like was going wrong with him emotionally or or whatever was my fault. Like oh, it when was, Matthew was being bullied, that's what I did to myself too. I was like, I was like what there's did I do? yeah, I talked to therapists and I was like I'm like he hates me. He is going to no. I, I mean, I really thought that and I was really like worried about him and I thought the most important thing in my entire life is is him and the only person I ultimately care about what they think of me on this planet is him. him. And so I was like, oh my God, have I like fucked up too much or, or whatever that like I made him hate me and like fucked him up. 
too much. And that leads me to say something else too, especially if you're a single mom, you are around a child. Okay, there's 60 seconds in 60 minutes. I've seen this. Yeah, here, but if I just Google like how many seconds in um, 18 years. So you're around your kid for, what is that? 567,648,000 seconds. So half a billion seconds. <laughs> Let me finish this one thought. Yeah, yeah, because do it, do it. Be, okay. So you're around your child and especially if it's your single mom and especially if they're an only child like, like us, we are one-on-one for half a billion seconds. Now I can be like the best version of myself for 499 million of those. The one or two seconds that I'm not perfect out of those half a billion, the mo- I slammed, you know, the dryer door too hard because I'm pissed and he's like, you know. Oh, I've gotten mad and said really mean things yeah. to my kids. That don't mean like abusive. Right, I just mean no. like, they probably needed to hear it, but, but like I wouldn't normally let myself but go there. This is my my point is like like we could be like literally so my best self in front of him. And there have been times I have failed because I'm human. And just of because course. I get pregnant doesn't mean that all of a sudden all of the issues that make me like who you are are gone. And that like, you know, it doesn't mean that then I'm not gonna fuck up because I still have some of that self-destructiveness or the darkness or the whatever like the stuff that I'm not perfect and it just but you don't I don't think you want to be perfect like I think that there's some like beauty in the dysfunction to an extent because obviously I would never want you to have gone through anything painful or me to gone through anything painful that brought us to like where we are and who we are as people because of the painful things that happened to us although um You're talking about failing and how we're humans. Um, and you think it's good to not be perfect. And even though you hate that both of us had to go through some of the bad stuff and stuff, it's all the bad stuff and the good stuff that makes you who you are. Yeah, but I also think because we're not perfect, I think that a lot of the people that I know who came from a perfect family, like say a wealthy, affluent family and the mom and dad are still married and like they have the postcards and like, even if the parents didn't like, you know, you always say like, oh, they look perfect, but they fight. Even if the parents didn't fight, there was some sort of dysfunction in that home. Like the the mom and dad like hated each other, didn't speak, slept in separate bedrooms, like whatever, but they're perfect. But those are the people that because of that perfect wasn't really perfect, end up becoming so damaged that in their adult lives with like marriages and children, I feel like those people's children are almost the messed up ones who are the bullies and something's wrong. I feel like you and I are real people who are single moms and have gone through a lot of shit. And I like that our children watch us hustle, watch us struggle to pay bills. Like, I think that experience for them is priceless because it will make them respect women. Mm-hmm. It will make them want to stand up and be good men. Um, and I want them to marry women who are, you know, independent too. But I think there's, you know, I know this is cliche, but a lot of people don't realize what like single moms do because you're the mom and the dad. And there's a lot to that because the mom job, unfortunately, and I don't care if anybody gets mad for me saying this, the mom job is already at 99% and the dad job is at 1%. That's just the way it is. So you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, know. I like how you're just like not taking any questions on this one. No, no, yeah, I, yeah, no, no, I, I, anyway, I'm on a tangent. It's but true. my point is, I'm just saying that because you said that the, the failure thing doesn't go, 
you know, the, the problems don't go away, of course. And I like it that way. I would rather my son see a messy, real human being who's working their ass off to provide a good life for somebody than somebody who's like, we're perfect. And we wear matching shirts and this is that. And then they end up being American psycho because they grew up in a loveless, sterile, fake cookie cutter plastic life. Yeah. That's not real because you get into life and it's messy and ugly. We're all messed up. I know. I know. You're right. I know you're right. And I was so worried about that. And then he turned like 17 and thank God that's what fucking pandemic hit because if it had hit between the ages of 14 and 16, it would have been so much less fun. Um, Oh God. But he, Oh my God. I can't imagine. But, uh, he, um, all of a sudden what like didn't hate me anymore. And I think that he like didn't judge me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds weird. And maybe he never like judged me as bad as I thought that he did, but I had that click with my kiddo when he got to an age. Yes. And I remember, like, I had, you know, felt like that I had done something in one of those seconds that I was like, damn, I wish I hadn't said this. I wish I hadn't done this. And I owned it. I was like, my son, um, I am human. I am not perfect. I make mistakes. And that was a mistake. And I am going to do better next time. And um, he literally said, like, I really, it's totally fine. We're, being that, like, we're only a two-person family, he's like, we're always, like, on top of each other. At some point, we're going to see each other make mistakes. Yeah. And he was, so I know. Okay. Oh, God. Go pee. Potty break. (laughs)